Hello and welcome to episode 127 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. I am Anthony Malikian, U.S. editor of Waters, and I'm joined by James Rundle, our news editor. Hello, everyone. So, hopefully, the first thing you are noticing right now is the sound quality, my friends. Hopefully, it is better, new and improved. Crystal clear. Crystal clear. Morgan we, Stanley, this is for you, baby. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've, we've, you know, we've... Through the years, you know, we've we had the first show back when episode one, when Dan started this, you know, a couple of years ago. We had to kind of prove that we could actually do this and have it be long-standing, that we wouldn't embarrass the company. Fortunately, no one from the company listens to this, so we've been able to embarrass the company, but just no one knows about it. Exactly, yes, and uh, hence why you get to listen to our lovely ramblings about uh, politics, Nazis, and beer. all different things. Yeah. So, but. You know, after being nominated a finalist for a Digiday Award, Best mm-hmm. Podcasts, they decided, you know what, these guys, they're for real. Yeah, they lost to a podcast about walking dogs, so maybe we should invest in some. Thank you, Katie. Yep, Good thank you very much. And so now we have some real equipment. we got this soundboard thing here. I don't even know what it is. We've got these very fancy speakers or microphones. Yep. We've got now, filters. We've got shock mounts. We've got, like, lever arm things. Look, they're out of the Matrix. It's great. There's an important thing, though, to keep in mind here, and this is where you, the audience, comes in. We still don't totally know what we're doing. We're not, <laughs> we are in no way sound engineers. So if you feel that there are any problems with the sound quality or anything, email us. That's anthony.malikian at infopro-digital.com or james.rundle at infopro-digital.com. Yep. And we want to hear from you and know, you know, whether it's too loud, too soft, you know, yeah, exactly. the background noise. More bass, less, you know, yeah. I can't do anything about the way I speak, unfortunately, so, you know, yeah. nothing about that. He'll always sound like, I'm always, God, I've been years, I'm just like, what? What's the hell you saying? <laughs> I don't even know. So, yeah, please, we want to hear your feedback. Uh, we made a big investment into this, and so we want to make sure that going forward, the sound quality is top-notch in A1, so that you keep on coming back, and rather than being like, you know, calling us borderline unprofessional. <laughs> I appreciate the borderline part because it's quite frankly totally unprofessional. Totally unprofessional. But <laughs> so we've actually got up in uh, our estimation for that. <laughs> so today we're going to talk um, about an interesting vendor, new product they've put out, and the features that we have coming up in the July issue. Going to have a little bit of discussion about the Supreme Court, and then. Uh, we're heading to the World Cup knockout round, so yeah, this will be the good stuff coming up here. So we'll talk a little bit about that. You know, it's week before July fourth. You know, a lot of you're going to be away next week, you know, but hopefully we can get some events here. And then we do have a special guest coming in next week um, to talk about shortly after British Tactical Retreat Day. It's going to be good. British Tactical. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so let's get going here. Um, in what was a slow news week, I think. Um, yeah, a lot of news, but nothing of major import. Really, like yeah. Client wins and unusual stuff. We, uh, I got to sit down with the folks from Digital Reasoning. Um, if you're not familiar, AI-powered firm. Look, they're in the surveillance space. They're in uh, the compliance space and deep analytics. Basically, their platform, it's agnostic, really, to industry. They're not just about finance. They have contracts with uh, security uh, firms, government firms, healthcare firms. Partner with Smarts as well, I think, and that stuff. Yeah, Yeah, so, and so from, yeah, they, uh, was Goldman Sachs, UBS, Point72, NASDAQ, Bank of England are all uh, users of digital reasonings, uh, either synthesis tool or what we were talking about uh, in this article, cognition. Um, And 
the, the platform, I guess, let's, uh, let's see, all right, where, where should we start here? Okay, well, you wrote the story, so let me ask you this question. Yeah. Basically, what is Cognition? So Cognition is a machine learning engine, a machine learning engine uh, to help improve uh, uh, model testing. Um, so, be, be, you know, for testing models, it can take anywhere from weeks to months. This basically using uh, artificial intelligence aims to cut down on that from, you know, if it took you months, it'll only take you maybe a couple days, a couple hours, depending on the kind of data set that you're using. But so it uses two forms of machine learning. Uh, the first piece of it is guided learning, otherwise known as supervised learning, where just through a, you ask it a question. So let's say, for example, you have a data set of Amazon reviews. Excuse me. Wow, Excuse me, computer. <laughs> um, so let's say that you have Amazon's data set of reviews because you're trying to get, you know, you're trying to put out, uh, uh, build your portfolio and do some company research. And you're trying to find negative reviews. So you pull in all these Amazon reviews and then you just type in, um, key search words essentially for example pissed you know i was pissed when i bought this product mm -hmm. you know and you know and then you say was this a relevant was it a negative uh thing or was it actually i was pissed drunk when i bought this so that's just old school sentiment analysis right exactly mm -hmm. but through so you're basically teaching it you know, so you're saying yes this was relevant no this was not and it starts to learn this word and basically you build this taxonomy and then the second piece of it is active learning. So as you're going through and doing your search, it'll start making suggestions on its own. And it's not just like a keyword search like, oh, well, this word matches this word, so let's recommend this word. It's actually the active learning piece of it is the, com the computer is basically just trying to say, all right, well, I wonder if this is in the same field so it throws that word out at you, and then you say yes or no to that. Am I right, teacher? Am, Am I right? Teacher? Exactly. Did, did I do a good job with this here on, mm. on this word, on this kind of driving down this path? So they're only on – they're in beta right now. So they're just coming out of alpha, going into beta. Uh, it's 0.8 of the product. And then at the end of September, they're going to look – they're hoping by the end of September to launch 1.0 and have its general availability release. So I think that that's what's interesting is just they don't necessarily care about the field, uh, mm -hmm. who's using it. They can, as long as you are doing research of some sort or you are trying to find information or doing surveillance, doing compliance things, hence you know NASDAQ end of it, they don't necessarily care what field you're in. They just want to they're, – they're saying that we can – help you to train your models and improve your models better through the use of machine learning. So that's, I guess, the gist of it, the hard and narrow of it there. Okay. So, you know, it, any number of practical uses, though, for it. Yeah, sure. And, I don't know, I guess, you know, it, it's just one of those interesting things where we're really starting to see in the field the use of machine learning for real, true world um you know, we, we see it a lot in surveillance. And again, this is largely a surveillance and compliance tool right now, but this is certainly something that can be used going forward for front office risk, for uh, traders, for portfolio managers, stuff like that. Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing. I think, you know, it has been widely used in surveillance, but it is very much a, 
not a brute force tool, I guess, but it's not as nuanced as some of the applications that people talk about. Like surveillance, I guess, its use is more kind of prioritizing alerts for analysts and uh, looking back and, and using various cumulative score mechanisms, like classifying which is likely to become a suspicious activity report, which isn't, um, which is interesting and complex, but ultimately, I guess, very basic when people talk about the true potential of AI. So this sure. is actually quite an interesting, slightly more nuanced piece to it, I guess. That's yeah. yeah. And I guess, you know, the takeaway for other firms that are looking to build AI-powered engines, stuff like that, you know, the training data that goes into this, it's, it's oftentimes it's lacking, you know, everybody kind of uses what the Enron database or the Enron, uh, you know, field it's of really training data. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're not familiar with this, so um, surveillance And digital reasoning does use this as well, oh, but yes, yeah. go on, yeah. Um, yeah, so if you're not familiar with surveillance systems and, and e-com e surveillance systems are often uh, trained using Enron emails because they're the only massive publicly available cache of information that's sort of specific to the industry. So we think that's from, you know, God knows how many years ago. Yeah. Um, and it's still being used as the kind of the basic stuff. It's quite remarkable, really. So this, you don't have to have as monstrous a set of training data because you're going to be going in there doing the supervised learning of it and then the active side of it will kick in. Um, so that certainly helps in the process. And you know, one of the interesting quotes I thought, uh, so I spoke with uh, Brendan Carl, God, what, what was his first name? Yeah, Brendan Carl, who is the uh, head of artificial intelligence research at Digital Reasoning. And just CEO. That's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he said that uh, active learning, which is what reduces the amount of data needed, doesn't really work on imbalanced data unless you employ guided learning first. Imbalanced data being, you know, there's 70% negative feedback, 30% positive. If it's 50-50, it's very easy for a machine learning algorithm to learn on its own. When mm -hmm. it's imbalanced, it becomes very difficult. Second part of that conversation, though. Uh, when we started building Cognition, we took a look across the analytics we offer in Synthesis, and one of the things we discovered was that almost the gateway drug to analytics was the text classification for very imbalanced data sets, essentially finding a needle in a haystack. Once you had that, there were all sorts of things you can do. And to that point, I think that firms are becoming more and more savvy with this. You're starting to see a lot of startups like this. They just received $30 million in additional funding that was led by BNP Paribas yeah. um, just recently. So you're starting to see these advancements in machine learning and AI and how firms are using them that's become more sophisticated and you're starting to see more real world use cases now than we have in the past. So I guess that's kind of the takeaway I had anyway. Yeah, it's an interesting story. Check it out. And so let's see here. An exclusive as well, I believe. Uh, an exclusive, yes. A little yes. scoop. Yes, a little yep. scoop, a little scooplet, as that's we said. Newsweek, so well done. Uh, thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we have the July issue coming up. True, yeah. Who do we have on the cover this month? Uh, we have Peter Clark, uh, who is the uh, the Asia CIO of Standard Chartered, I believe. Yes. Is it Asia? Or how do I see? So it's, it's North Asia, I want to say. Yeah. So Standard Chartered being very embedded in Asia. Kind of breaks it off a bit differently. Yeah. But uh, an interesting guy. I mean, it's maybe a little bit more retail than we usually cover, but his thoughts on kind of what makes a good CIO um, and how he builds his team are really interesting. So that was by Wei Shen Wong, our, our Asia editor. And there are some interesting things specific to Asia about legacy technologies and stuff like that that I found yeah. to be interesting takeaway there. And that's the thing, like when you're covering Asia, I mean, as, as you guys know, I'm sure the retail and the institution are so intermingled together that it's hard to actually, much harder than it is in the West mm -hmm. to separate those two technology stacks out. Sure. So uh, 
you kind of have to have to delve into one to get the kind of the full perspective on the other. And that's what Wei Shen did for this. So it's a, it's a really interesting profile. Really good. And then also, so the article we've been talking about the SGX, NSC, um, the Singapore Exchange, sorry, and India's National Stock Exchange, the battle going on. That's going to be running there, but we've already spoken about that. That story is already live on our website, so yep. you have all that. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we have here? We've got a piece from me on uh, what's been happening with uh, reporting in mm-hmm. Europe since MIFID 2 went live. Um, a lot of it you'll have heard before. We've reported most of it, so the APA is having problems. Um, the RM is having problems. The regulators having problems. And now it has been turning around and saying APAs have got further problems. Uh, it's got some additional reporting. There's stuff that hasn't been in our stories, um, such as quotes from internal memos at banks um, talking about just how bad it is and that kind of thing so it's interesting enough just to see that laid out on a timeline of just how problematic reporting has been since it came in over the last six months sure other than that uh, we've got Hamad uh, our Hamad Ali our reporter in London did a story on robotic process automation mm-hmm. um, some really of the kind of the, the negative some of the negative experiences and what's been learned along exactly, the way yeah so if if you guys uh, follow the website, you might remember back in, I think it was October, I went to Cybos and reported that SockGen had been experimenting with uh, RPA and hadn't really had much success with it until they combined it with other forms of um, artificial intelligence. So what Hamad's done, he'd gone back out and talked to them, talked to other people as well. I think Nordea was quoted um, and a few others, just talking about kind of how people are approaching it now. It's a really interesting kind of, not skeptical, but uh, takes it with a kind of pinch of salt, I think, is the way I describe it. You so always you talk know. about the hype cycle, I guess, but, you know, so everybody's like, oh, robotic process automation, but there's a lot of things that get lost in trying to combine RPA with legacy technologies yeah. um, and then well, trying to combine it with new tools. So there's both an old problem and a new problem that you kind of get that needs to be mitigated, I guess. All kinds of weird problems as well. There's a really nice example he has in that feature about how... Uh, they parameterized one of the RPA models on an Italian keyboard and then moved yes. it to France on a French keyboard because the key mapping wasn't the same and didn't work properly. Yep. And those kind of weird little frustrations that come out when trying to deal with pure RPA. Yeah. So it's a really interesting story. I recommend you read it. Um, then we also have uh, Joe Gallagher, uh, also from our London newsroom, talking about how glitches happen. Um, you know, that's a given pretty much in capital markets today. The LSE went down last month. Glitches and um, shit. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, death lawyers and glitches um, but now some firms are looking to artificial intelligence um, to kind of examine their technology stacks and maybe give some preemptive warnings um, so interesting there's some things in there about how some firms are looking to how aerospace companies and space agencies do it with their deep space satellites to employ yeah. that in markets as well I know like IBM with um, this wasn't in the article but just something I happen to know it's about uh, IBM and elevators come I'm a bit horrified of elevators. I don't like elevators. I'm yeah. always paranoid of being stuck in an elevator. I remember once walking out in an elevator and you grabbing your hand out and dragging me back and going, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Like, what do you mean, what the hell am I doing? And you were like, oh, I thought you were going to fall out. That's, that's not how elevators work, Tony. A bit <laughs> insane. A bit insane when it comes out. But uh, AI, te- you know, through Watson's engine, basically trying to detect uh, outages, problems yeah. in the elevator system before it happens, so to alert people to stop using it, they should be checked out, things like you that. You see this belt is fraying, or it's yeah. not carrying as much load as it was, yeah. So yeah, um, so, yeah got some good stuff so in there. The issue. Yeah, it should be good. Um, should be on newsstands in London next week, and here in the US probably after the week of the 6th, but everything mm-hmm. should be live, but probably, st- we'll be rolling them out 
um, over the course of next week. Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's the plan. All right, so let's hear. How far are we in here? Uh, okay, we still got, got some time. Yeah, I wanted to have a little rant here before we go into soccer. Okay. okay. So I love, I love following the Supreme Court. Um, fascinated by the Supreme Court, always have been. Um, you know, I love reading uh, Jeffrey Tubin's book, stuff like that. These mm-hmm. are, you know, these, I don't know, I just find it very, very interesting. Um, and so as many of you hopefully already know, as well as at least those that live here in the United States, uh, Anthony Kennedy, who had been on the bench since 88, 89, after Bullock, uh, but Reagan, not, so it must have been 88 because it would have been Reagan, right? So 87 yeah. maybe even. Um, anyway. He's going to step down. He's in his 80s, you know, decided he's had enough. I started laughing because of everybody on Twitter and Facebook, journalists, my friends. Everybody's like, oh, my God, this is terrible. What's happening? How? Co- oh, my God, Trump's going to nominate another appointee. And, oh, my God, Kennedy, you know, he was the one moderate voice on the on the the bench. This idea that Anthony Kennedy was a moderate. Anthony Kennedy was a swing vote. There were some things on, especially gay rights, things like that, or some you know gay marriage. Not all gay rights. Um, he just recently actually voted. He was not in favor of the uh, uh, gay couple that wanted to have the cake made. Yeah. Um, he went against that and was part of the majority. Anthony Kennedy was a conservative who at times would stray away from uh, from the conservatives on abortion, on... Um, well, he understood that the eyes of the law should be apolitical at the time. That's why he was a swing vote at the time. Yeah. Because, you know, he did mix a bit of ideology with his lawmaking, sure, as every lawyer does. But, but I almost know. feel like he was more of a libertarian than he was yeah. anything of a moderate. He was something different. Because, like, you look at... He was in favor of Citizens United. He was like, like just going through and like, the fact that liberals like think that like this guy was like, one of their own. Citizens United against him, gerrymander go went against them. Uh, Sided against the same sex couple in that uh, wedding cake uh, 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 lawsuit. Uh, you know, he ruled in favor of voter suppression uh, rules. Uh, guns, he was in favor of. Uh, employee, he he would often. Uh, side with the majority on employers over employees. Um, the travel ban, uh, yep. he was in favor. Everybody needs to calm the hell down. Take a step back. I know it's Donald Trump in office right now. Mm-hmm. But first of all, Neil Gorsuch was a fine jurist, was a fine pick to replace Antonin Scalia. Yeah. This idea now that Who we're just going to... Let's s- not forget, very right wing. Also very right wing. Yeah, exactly. And still one of the finest writers I think the Supreme Court's ever had. Sure, but, uh, and you have to have that, certainly, yeah. on the Supreme Court. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the, you know, everybody loves, was best friends with Anthony, you know? Because they're both accomplished jurists, and they're professionals, yeah. they understood that. This That's the thing is, like, it's not like, you know, put in, you know, uh, Betsy DeVos's, you know, uh, education secretary. That Those things are stupid. As long as we're put in legitimate jurists, then yes, a Republican president is going to nominate a Republican justice. Just the same way that Barack Obama didn't say, oh, well, you know what, let me go and pick a Republican. No, he went Sotomayor and Kagan to extreme left 
uh, jurist, and mm-hmm. that's fine. That's as per his want. And if they get accepted through the Senate, great, you know, no big deal. And then he went with Garland because at the end of his term, he wanted to kind of make something that was a little bit more palatable for Republicans. And quite frankly, I thought it was a, a at the, in retrospect, it wasn't. But at the time, I thought it was a savvy play because we were all sure that Hillary Clinton or whichever Democrat ran was going to win the presidency. It was just whoever won was going to be in. Now we kind of forget this nowadays. Now we're like, oh, well, of course Trump was going to win. He's a Democrat. And you got it. No, 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 no. Everybody leading up was sure that Hillary Clinton was going to win. And that's the other thing. This, and here's a little bit more where my rant comes in. Okay, if you, if you don't mind me kind of going on for a well, second, I'll let you jump in here. But because they were so sure and they didn't want to galvanize Republicans by forcing, trying to force through um, Garland, Merrick Garland, they kind of backed off that argument. You didn't hear anything about the Supreme Court in any of the debates. Mm-hmm. The Supreme Court didn't come up. So this thing that we consider to be this important piece of our government, didn't hear anything about it in the debates. No one was pressing this issue. No one was trying to rally the troops on this because the Democrats were fine. We're like, we're going to win this. So, yeah. And then we might actually pull back Garland and we'll shove somebody else down their throat who is more left, who's more in line with Sotomayor and Kagan. Mm-hmm. They lost. And that's what happened. Is, and this idea that the Republicans stole this from the Democrats, it's like a child. It sounds like it's. it becomes this whole, like, you just got out-politicked by the Republicans. They didn't do anything illegal. They out-politicked you. Well, and lo and behold, you know, maybe the Republican member of the Supreme Court thinks that maybe the Republicans won't be in power next time, so he's going to give them a boon and retire now. Yeah. And, do it later. and the other thing, and that's the other thing, too. A, a couple other things. So, <laughs> Kennedy, again, is a conservative. He mm-hmm. is not a liberal in any way. He is not a mo- he's not a right down the middle. He is a conservative. He was appointed by Reagan. He disappointed the conservative parties on some votes, certainly, but he is a conservative. And he, him and Trump get on, you know, whatever. Great. He's going to move on. RBG is ancient, mid-80s. You know, it's great that she's doing all her planking and all this stuff. She, you know, who knows how much longer she can be in office for, you know. And, it's, and also uh, Breyer, too. Everybody knew going into this election that there was definitely Scalia. Uh, there was a good chance of Kennedy. And then, you know, you kind of assume could a Democrat, definitely Breyer and RBG. And this is one thing that I think that I, I've said this before, and I know that some it just pisses, you know, my liberal friends off when I say this, but RBG was selfish. She should have stepped down while you had Barack Obama in office if you believed in continuing on uh, if you believe that there is uh, that you need to have a liberal voice on the court, well, you have this uh, progressive president. Let's have him. It's my time now to step down and have somebody else come in. She wanted to stay in power, and then once Hillary Clinton lost, well, now you gotta hang on you gotta stay for a long time, possibly for eight years if you got him. And th- finally, th- so the other thing I would say is this. For everybody freaking out about, oh, my God, this country, well, we're going to lose all of our rights. It's all going to become a dictator society. First of all, John Roberts has shown that he kind of likes that Kennedy, you know, feel. He, mm. he will, he's willing to go with 
the moderate, or he might just be a swing vote here and there. He yeah. can be won over, certainly. The other thing to remember, I think, is this. It has been a consistent majority of Republican-appointed justices since 1970. We're going on mm. 50 years here of a conservative court. So the Democrats had a chance, but instead, in 2014, the Democrats did not show up to the polls. They lost the Senate for the first time since, uh, what was it, uh, 2006. They lost the Senate, and they got destroyed in the House. They were, they were already down in the House, but then they really lost they in the House. Out, yeah. You let all these whack job Tea Party guys come in because you didn't show up to vote in 2014. Nominated Hillary Clinton because that was just a wonderful choice right there. But that, yeah, that's more. The other parts are factual. That one's just more on me. So you didn't come out and vote. And then in 2016, leading up, no one wanted to talk about the Supreme Court, even though there was definitely going to be three, probably four seats up in this next presidential term. And that's what we're seeing. So stop being so surprised. And understand that this country has always been, the, 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 the Supreme Court has been for a half century a conservative court. So maybe we're not going to go completely off the rails. There are going to be some cases that you're going to hate. Citizens United, I hate it. Mm-hmm. You know? But let's stop pretending like we're going to slip into Nazi Germany here all of a sudden now simply because Anthony Kennedy stepped down this liberal lion that we had. Yeah. So that's, that's my right. And then it does remind me of from the newsroom, Will McElvoy, at the first episode, he said, quote, if liberals are so fucking smart, how come they lose so goddamn always? <laughs> and sometimes you're kind of like, why this is shocking so many people really blows my mind. So I'm done. With you're that. done. There we done. go. That's it. Should we talk about football? Let's talk about football. Okay. Okay. You take over now. <laughs> <laughs> um, England, Belgium. Never seen a more cynical game of football in my entire life than that game. That was. I'm amazed that no one's actually penalising for it and just come down and said you were deliberately not scoring goals. Yeah. What the hell's going on? It was. It was just. It's a shame too because that could have been like a really fun mm-hmm. game. Like that was the second match of the game of the of the tournament. There, that would have been great. That First or second? Yeah. yeah so then they both put out B teams. Um, no one wanted to score. Um, but as an England fan, are you happy that they lost? Yeah, I mean, I went in like saying it's better for us if we could, if we come second. Yeah. Well, I mean, tougher I first game, but then potentially a much game. easier second Columbia. game. I mean, should you win? Colombia's been playing like absolute balls this entire mm-hmm. tournament. Um, maybe they'll turn it on for the round of sixteen. I don't know. I'm not particularly. It's not like they're any world beater themselves either. No, you know? I mean, so, they've got good so. players like James is good and people like that. But um, and he's banged up. And he's banged up. Um, but I, I just don't see the threat that everyone else keeps. I think everyone's saying that to kind of temper expectations in that classic English way of, oh well, you know, at least if we go out to Colombia, then we can say we're going to. Um, and then we have a fairly easy quarterfinal, and then Spain in the semis. Yeah, and in theory, it'll so either be Switzerland or Sweden. Obviously, good killers. teams, but yeah. yeah, nothing that it's not. Bra- the other option is Brazil's playing Mexico, so Belgium's going to play Japan first. Yeah, um, so they have the easier first game. Obviously. And then Brazil, though, is what you're looking at there in the quarters. And then if you are lucky enough to get by Brazil, then you're going to be facing either Portugal, France, or Argentina in yeah. the semis. And you know, and it's then you're exhausted, and you run the gauntlet by yeah. the end of it. You know, whereas with this one, at least you got a chance to rest your players and do yeah. stuff. Uh, even the New York Times said that, like the headline was kind of England lose but win in a different way or something. Yeah. And Deadspin's article was just so sarcastic and funny. It was right. really worth reading. That's what Deadspin does. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. They were just like, uh, yeah, like 
praising Magnus bravery of England and losing <laughs> the tournament, <laughs> not even trying in the first place to score. Um, so who do you got in our in my picks? I had Germany versus France, and Germany beating France uh, for the final. That did not work out, no, obviously, I, is what I, I had, had originally. Uh, I had Germany-Brazil for final, yeah. so that's obviously not going to work now. Yeah. Um, so what do you have now as your final? You know, it's really tough. Really, really tough. Belgium could make it. They've got that's quality. I, I have Belgium beating Spain on penalty kicks. Really? Yep. Interesting. So you reckon they'll beat Brazil and they'll beat France or Portugal? I do. I did. The, the team that you just watching, granted, it's too short of a, you know, it's, it's a young team. It's a team that hasn't been. It's a team that's kind of choked in the past, but. God, they play a beautiful game of football when mm. they are on, and I would ju- I really th- I really like their their athleticism and their their attacking mentality. So um, if they don't freeze and just wet the bed, then I, I like them all the way through. Though, you know, I, sh- I probably should go France, considering that that is the yeah. team that I thought from the very beginning. They just they haven't been fun to watch in their way. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go balls deep. Yeah, I'm gonna say an England Belgium final. Okay. Yeah, it's gonna be good. God um, save the queen. God save the queen. What um, is it? British pot noodle effect. <laughs> pot noodle effect, which you can read about in this month's waters. Um, my predictions haven't been that bad so far. I think in our newsroom bracket, I lost to you by one point. Didn't I? So you, yes, right now the American is beating a bunch of Brits. Well, you, in won the, our you won the pot, didn't you? So what? You won the pot, right? Because that was only for the first. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for the point. for the knockout by one point. By hey, one point, yeah. it's still a win. <laughs> it wins a win, buddy. Belgian won by one goal. Yeah, so yeah, England Belgium final. Okay. I reckon that'd be fun. Um, would that yield the Argentina Portugal match we're looking for? Yeah, so we we do want to see Argentina versus Portugal, and that can happen if Argentina has to beat France. And Portugal has to beat Uruguay, so that happens in the quarter. So yeah, you can Portugal still get Portugal should that. beat Uruguay. Argentina, France is a tall order. Yeah, I, I went against Argentina in that one. Even mm-hmm. though I do want to see, give me Messi versus Ronaldo. It'll be a good game. Because all this talk, God, I, I, we were yelling at each other at the bar. I, I was getting, I was, I was a you, bit. You were getting irate. I was. I was. <laughs> I don't like all this. You know, I don't like all this uh, anger toward Messi when, he, like, he doesn't do anything on the international stage. Well, he did take his team to a World Cup final, basically, single-handedly. So I don't know what the hell we're talking about here. I'd rather have a, a World Cup final, which is insanely difficult to get to, just ask England, than, you know, Ronaldo winning a Euro Cup, which Greece also did. So it kind of loses the luster there a little bit, right. if you ask me. So, yeah. Uh, but give me Argentina-Portugal, Messi beats Ronaldo, and I don't even care what else happens then. <laughs> Be good fun. Yep. I think right. also before we leave, a shout out to the Capital Gazette who uh, sure lost five of their reporters and still put out a goddamn newspaper the next day as well. Yep. So well done. Them and the next day and just kept on cranking them yeah, out. Reporting yep. on their own massacre on the front pages of Jesus. Can't even imagine, obviously. But yeah, uh, yeah. terrible. Yeah. On that note. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully you enjoyed the sound of it, even if you didn't enjoy the content so much. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of phoned this one in, guys. We will be in next week, and we do have a guest for you next week, and so that will hopefully smooth things over. Yeah. Let us know if you have any feedback, though. All right. And hopefully there isn't any feedback. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. All right. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the fourth. See you guys.